On this episode of Recur Now, a bit on demand-based pricing. Plus, Functionally launches a podcast for better work and a better world. And finally, what's really holding women back? All this and more today on Recur Now. From ProfitWells Boston HQ, it is Monday, March 9th. I'm Abby Sullivan. And I'm Grace Gagnon. It's a beautiful day to subscribe. Up first, your news. We know there are several ways in which you can decide to price your product, but making that decision is where the real magic lies. It can make all the difference for your product or your offering, its reach, and its success. Just last week, we saw Dave Gerhardt over at Privy, the software for e-commerce email marketing, lower the price of the subscription for his private podcast, The A-List. He tweets, pricing changes work. Who knew? I dropped the price from $30 to $10 and added 300 plus new members this week. Double the community to 600 plus and am close to the same revenue. Yeah, and this is a classic case of demand-based pricing, which leverages levels of current general market demand as opposed to customer-specific research to determine pricing strategy. With demand-based pricing, your product is set at several different prices and the customer's willingness to purchase it is measured at each one to determine a representative set price that's not too high or too low. There are a few different ways of conducting demand-based pricing and it looks like Dave's case most closely represents what we call skimming, which means he started at a high price and then lowered it. This is typically done by setting a very high price and lowering it gradually, and it's great for establishing very healthy early profit margins. Demand-based pricing is a good way of assessing the lay of the market while still building revenue and customer knowledge, albeit indirectly. The different ways of approaching demand-based pricing make this a versatile pricing method appropriate for a number of business models. But as with most things, there is a flip side. Because the data is relatively less complete, the monetary price must be adjusted to compensate for non-monetary costs that will be involved in setting customer willingness to pay. So for instance, if your product has a particularly high time or convenience cost, WTP will be impacted. Making these kinds of adjustments can be hard and lead to missed opportunities, particularly when the fluctuations of market demand are also taken into account. It sounds like this one played out well for Dave, though, so we'll be on the lookout for what he does next. I will link to a bunch of pricing resources in your subscriber newsletter so you can dig into the nuances of each method and decide which is best for you. Because guessing at pricing is just not an option. And now grace on better functioning teams. Our friends over at Functionly, the work design platform that provides tools and visibility for team alignment, launched a podcast this week featuring leaders sharing their stories and secrets. It's all about how they designed and built their best places to work. In it, the Functionly crew spotlights challenges and breakthroughs of designing organizational charts, optimizing teams, and building jobs that people love. Episode 1 features Clayton Molyneux on heading up a unicorn culture at Auth0. But why the jump into the podcast world? We know as well as the next person and that creating this stuff is not easy. It takes a lot of time, resources, and skill. Well, you're in luck. To see if podcast and video marketing are worth the investment, we looked at the data from 2,400 subscription companies. The short answer is, yeah, it's worth it. But we'll reveal the full data cuts later in this episode. And we're big fans of the Functionly team, not only because they nailed it last year at Saster and sent us a llama upon our return home, and Abby asked me to shout out Frank the Functionally llama on her behalf, but because they're also doing something really cool here. Solid products, and ultimately success stems from solid teams. So we always have our eye out for what they're doing for the market. 
International Women's Day was just yesterday, but we won't stop the celebrating anytime soon. And today we wrap with a hard hitter. What's really holding women back? That's what the Harvard Business Review is asking regarding the trouble of retaining women in the workplace and promoting us to senior ranks. The HBR reminds us women made remarkable progress accessing positions of power and authority in the 1970s and 80s, but that progress slowed considerably in the 90s and has stalled completely in this century and the one to follow. Just last year, the HBR reported on the persistence of gender equality and found that the more time they spent with people at the firm, the more they found that the firm's explanations for why women were held back did not even correspond with the data. There was a considerable disconnect in what institutions reported as the problem and what problems actually existed. Women weren't held back because of trouble balancing the competing demands of work and family. Men, too, suffered from the balance problem and nevertheless advanced. According to the HBR, more women were encouraged to take accommodations like part-time gigs or shifting to internally facing roles, which derailed their ultimate career goals. But the real culprit was a general culture of overwork that hurt both men and women and locked gender inequality in place. The bottom line, social defense systems are insidious. They divert attention from a core anxiety-provoking problem by introducing a less anxiety-provoking one that can serve as a substitute focus. As a result, these two strongly held ideologies supporting the status quo had remained in place, that long work hours are necessary, and that women's stalled advancement is inevitable. So how do we and how can you take action? As we start to push back against overwork, as individuals, as families, as employees, we start to set that solid example. And the HBR wraps the piece with a moving sentiment and a hope for what lies ahead. As more research shows the business advantage of reasonable hours, they say, some employers will come to question the wisdom of grueling schedules. If and when those forces gain traction, neither women nor men will feel the need to sacrifice the home or the work domain. Demand for change will swell, and women may begin to achieve workplace equality with men. We'll link to the full piece in your subscriber newsletter. And that's a wrap on your Monday news. Up next, the data behind content marketing and podcast creation. Is it worth it? Welcome back, everyone. Neil here from ProfitWell. Podcasts and video marketing have exploded over the past year with marketers around the world speaking about how intensely powerful rich media can be to their brand, their sales process, and ultimately their growth. Podcasts and video cost money, though, and take a bit of a financial leap of faith not unlike the content marketing leap of faith over a decade ago. So to rationalize if podcast and video marketing are worth the investment, let's look at the data from over 2.4 thousand subscription companies. First up, let's look at how podcast and video marketing impact customer acquisition costs. CAC is up across the board for both B2B and B2C companies. But interestingly enough, CAC from customers who come from podcasts or have some level of attribution from video marketing are actually cheaper. Notice how those customers attributed to podcasts and videos have half the CAC. This reduction is likely because of the promise of richer media, which is that your brand is more clearly imbued within the mind of the prospect and customer, and you have a deeper relationship. Further support of this notion exists when looking at the willingness to pay for customers and prospects who've consumed a company's podcast or video content relative to those who've consumed only written content or no content at all. Podcast listeners have roughly 10 to 25% higher willingness to pay, while video consumers are seeing a similar 12 to 28% higher willingness to pay, suggesting that this rich media does its job when it comes to nurturing a prospect or customer. So should you rush to launch a podcast and splash your website with videos? 
Well, the short answer is yes, but you have to keep in mind there are real costs involved and you don't want to do a terrible job because that'll negatively impact your brand. As a company who does a lot with media, we recommend starting small and building from there, especially since this will help you hone your message and build your audience in the long term. And finally, a teaser for RevOps and Hops. We have an all new episode dropping tomorrow, so sign up at RevOpsandHops.com if you're intrigued. This is RevOps and Hops. We're breaking down RevOps with some of the biggest names in SaaS. Every week, Patrick Campbell and Michael Klett unravel the mysteries of RevOps while also enjoying some of the best and freshest hops around. Cheers. Cheers guys. It's RevOps. RevOps not even and noon. Hops and local drinking. There we go. All of this and more on Chargeify and ProfitWell's RevOps and Hops. And that's it for your March 9th episode of Recur Now. Remember, if you have news to spread or resources our listeners can leverage in this space, do not hesitate to reach out to me at abby at recurnow.com. I am all ears. This has been a Recur Studios production, the fastest growing subscription network out there. If you find use for this show, subscribe for more like it at profitwell.com slash recur.